The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour Football Aka. I'm not finished yet, it took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f***ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years. Alright lads, so we mentioned this on Monday about uh, Paddy Clifford potentially getting onto the Kerry team next week and then some quotes from David, his brother, who we all know very well, um, appeared. This was in The Independent. Colin Keyes had this and he was talking about his brother and he said, obviously he's disappointed not to be involved with Kerry in the last year or two, but he didn't uh, let that get to him. He's playing ridiculous football again this year and he's made, uh, he's made myself and Dara Roach's job fairly easy inside when he's able to pick us out with passes from 30 or 40 years. It's great to see him getting recognition. He hasn't had any break in his career so far. Hopefully this will be the one. And then a classic on Peter Keane. I don't want to cause trouble and say, whoa, what does he mean by this? I think he just kind of said it. It's hard to know what Peter Keane is thinking, um, but you can't do much more than besides getting man of the match in a county final. Um, so he's done all, all he can. And that's true. Like, I mean, uh, who do we say that? Keane Johnson in Offaly, you're dominating a county final. You're ready for the county mm. team. Like, I mean, what more standard do you need within the county um, to do it hasn't had much luck he's put massive time into his game according to David physicality wise he's a burly kind of physical centre half forward well able to kick a point and I don't know too much about him I didn't know he was too much into the 40, 30 or 40 yard kick passes but that if you've got a now Sean O'Shea is number 11 uh, tied up so he's going to have to maybe change himself into a, a wing forward who can get into the physical side of it drop back um, and if you have a wing forward that can spray a few passes do you know what I mean? There is a wing mm. forward spot on the Kerry team up for grabs. You have Adrian Spillane, Dermot O'Connor, Gavin White. You know, like, yeah. I mean, Adrian Spillane, you could say, is nailed down one or midfield. Like, then it was Gavin White or Dermot O'Connor. Poddy, yeah. po- well, for me, Poddy Clifford. Number 12 is nailed down with Stephen O'Brien. Stephen O'Brien has that, yeah. beside that too, but, Well, uh, Adrian Spillane, actually, funny enough, in the All-Ireland, went back wing back to Mark Brian Howard. So there was a bit of a weird reshuffle there in that one. But there's definitely one wing forward spot. Stephen O'Brien, Sean O'Shea are nailed on. Well, Stephen O'Brien could still play in the corner, but there is a spot. I like the look of Paddy Clifford. Yeah, he, he did play alongside Sean O'Shea. He was wing forward at UCC. So Sean O'Shea he meant to be an outstanding forward. for UCC in the Sigerson. Yeah, the problem with Kerry, like you, you're saying that like Sean O'Shea might have to move or whatever, like Keane likes to Oh no, I didn't say of, Sean O'Shea would have to change. Oh, move. sorry. Sean O'Shea is at number 11. Yeah, well the problem is that there's the Kerry sort of play two half forwards and two droppers, right? So it's Sean O'Shea and Stephen O'Brien. It's very hard to get into that 45. Well, Sean O'Shea drops a bit as well, doesn't he? Yeah, I but think like Paul, can Toddy play that drop and roll? Maybe he can. Like, he is combative. Yeah, so then you're looking at yeah, Adrian Spillane and Gavin White. You know, if he can do that, if he can do that work, if he's physical enough, he's strong enough, certainly. You know, know yeah, but you're talking now about making the starting 15. I mean, like, he wasn't even in the panel at the start of the year and apparently eyebrows were raised because how good he was for UCC and how, how good he's been for East Kerry. So it yeah. looks after all this. Um, how well he's performed for East Kerry and especially with when David Clifford says there's a guy out there that's good at passing the ball to me get him in the team <laughs> yeah. what's he going to say especially if David is going to be Kerry captain next year so I would be very very surprised if he's not involved in some way come, come the league and I do love I've no, never had a brother I like this kind of loyalty that the brothers like he's looking after his brother that's a pretty good recommendation there reference. isn't it that's 100%. just an incredible reference for your brother um, so yeah he's 23 it's a weird one there usually is lads in the county that have never really you know, made that breakthrough for whatever reason or another. We know kind of injuries um, maybe might have kind of held him back or for whatever reason. Sometimes managers just don't fancy certain players. Mm. And maybe Peter Keane doesn't fancy him. You yeah. don't know. But Kerry have a lot of forwards. I wrote down Connor Cox wasn't even in the lookout and he's a top class Yeah, yeah uh, Tony player. Brosnan. Like, you know, like they, they already have, I think, 12 like people who have been playing regularly for them. Yeah, and now we're talking about Potty Clifford. We always talk about Tony Brosnan. Like Tony Brosnan is another Connor Cox if he goes to any other county outside of Dublin. You know, yes, yeah, so it was Potty Clifford. Like <laughs> but the, I think the points Tony Brosnan kicked in the county final, the first two, like yeah. they're yeah. top drawer points. Yeah, you know, so maybe it is. Yeah, Kerry just have so many different brilliant players. Maybe it's not too much of a surprise. I think he'll be in there next year. Um, talk about one player being in, another out. Matty Donnelly, like Matty Donnelly, is it now out for six months? Um, in fairness, it's it's the best time ever in the year to get a, 
be put out for six months because he's gone, you know, over Christmas, the next three months, maybe the break will do him no harm, as they say. Um, what I can't, what I find just incredible is Donnelly suffered a serious hamstring injury while in duty for Trillick um, against Derry Donnelly. A scan revealed the severity of the damage done. Speaking to the Irish News, Donnelly confirmed that one of the tendons from his hamstring had become detached. He came back on in yeah, that match. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? And the worst thing is now he, mu- he must have done it after, he obviously did it after he came back on. So he had some of the damage done and then he came back on and obviously severely Did it even it. worse. He might have had a grade two or a grade three and now he's looking at six months out. I just wonder because he said it's detached. So like, you know, the only... Uh, so maybe that, he damaged it. off the bone? Because like, uh, the well, only... It's off, the tendon is off the bone. Yeah. That's not the muscle. So there's it, it's a difference. Maybe the, the tendon, tendon you can still the function. Okay. The bone is the problem. Because <laughs> the only one so, yeah. I, I'm comparing it oh, to, was, Tommy Welsh, I'm comparing it to Paul O'Connell. If it's six months, it's obviously not that because they were off for way more than six months. They were uh, off for a year. Paul, but maybe the severity of it, maybe the corner of it has come off, you know, yeah. rather than uh, Tommy Walsh, the whole thing just came came off. And then you have three different hamstrings. Maybe Tommy Walsh's middle one, the main, the biggest, could, strongest could one. Could it, have been, yeah. yeah, you know, there's different parts. So, yeah, so he must have got injured, gone off. And then because the game went to extra time, we need you, Matty, we need you. And like Matty should know at his age not to be going back on, especially with a hamstring injury. And maybe he did that mm. then again. I, didn't. I actually went on to try and text him and ask him and uh, he hadn't been on the WhatsApp number I had since last July so I went alright he, he must not be using it but uh, you know that must that must have been what happened like Did you're he not give coming the turnover in the in the last last play he was turned Derek over Donnelly as well yeah he was yeah. turned over he took I think he took a short kick out and got he slipped I'm no surprised when he's a, yeah. <laughs> a severe hamstring Conal Jones maybe it's when he slipped that time it, that's when it did happen and he, he coughed up the ball I think this is a good thing for Tyrone and for you Willie because what is Tyrone's best full forward line? Cahill McShane and Matty Donnelly. What are you going to do with a player who hasn't been playing for six months, but he's class and you still want to get him in their championship team? You put him in the full forward. So Tyrone are going to stumble upon this full forward line come championship time because Matty Donnelly won't have any games on these bill. <laughs> <laughs> They'll do that anyways. The, the America's in next year. I'd say it's guaranteed that the two of them's playing. Oh, no, maybe, maybe McShane and Lee Brennan or McShane and Dara Canavan are the, are the partnership with the advanced mark. Staying around him, Dara. Yeah. You know, staying around. Maybe to play a big man, small man, um, you know, in the league next year. He's Derek so Hanavan has to make that step yeah. up now soon enough anyways. Matty Donnelly is so explosive though. I just hope that like a, such a severe hamstring yeah. injury doesn't affect that. And that could affect him if he's going to be playing in the inside line, which would be all about those explosive movements. But mm. fingers crossed he'll he'll be okay. He'll have those six months to recover. Yeah, exactly. So Tomas O'Shea and Ger Brennan, our own Ger Brennan, have been complaining about the third level competitions, Fitzgibbon and Sigerson. They're two football men, so we'll just talk about the Fitz, the Sigerson for now, but it it obviously applies to both. So we know now the Sigerson is there's no back door in the Sigerson which there was. Fitzgibbon maybe the same. It's it's starting off on the 11th of 12th of January, and the final will be finished on January the 29th. Um, the the other change is that the under 21 championship is going to, was run off in June, July, and August. That's going to start in February, and they're talking about having the finals of them wait for it on St Patrick's Day or the semi-finals if they get to that stage. So they must be going to play off the under 21 championship as a straight knockout, bang, 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 three provincial games, all around semi-final, final, and maybe try and wrap it up around Paddy's Day because Paddy's Day is is obviously completely free now that the club finals are moved into July. So the lads are both complaining um, about this. Um, Tomas O'Shea said, third level is being treated as a nuisance by people who, it seems, don't recognise how much it means to those involved. And Ger Brennan is saying, UCD have, have roughly 600 students involved in Gaelic games. That includes 42 student coaches and administrators. We feel 19 teams and also have a handball club. We're a massive presence in the biggest university in the country. Around 30% of third level institutions have their exams um, after Christmas um, in January. What you're doing by squeezing the Sigerson Cup into January, you're putting immense pressure on the student during this period. So, like, I, you know, I accept that. But for me, this is like it's 30% of students will be a little bit put out, will be put out by this. They'll have a game one weekend on the 11th and 12th and then they'll have the, fi- the finals towards the end of January. Will they be finished for exams? When do you put it on? 
Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what, what's the solution? It can't be in February and March we're complaining about it's, it's clashing with inter-county games. In April, it's going to be April for clubs that can't go there. The only place to put it, really, is in January. Maybe January, the start of February. Start the league a little bit later. Again, all this is in the context that, that this is this year. And next year, with the third levels in as a representative on the fixtures task committee, that this will be ironed out to suit the third levels and everybody will have a say in it. But I just found, like, I mean, I can see where the lads are coming from, but, like, what, what's the alternative? Have, have uh, Kieran Malloy playing two games in the one day and the same day as and final? I don't know. To me, this looks like uh, a decent, a decent um, change. The, we had, did a piece on the show here last, last year with Billy O'Loughlin, the leash under-20 manager, and last year the, the under-20s crossed over the leaving cert. Now they're complaining that it's going to be on just before the leaving cert mocks. You can't keep everybody happy. It's impossible. I'd prefer it to cross over the mocks than the actual leaving cert. You know, like, I mean, so uh, here's the leaving cert is, is on from the 5th of June to the 25th of June. So when do you play the, the under 20 then? Either you play it early in the year and under 20s can't play league, right? And it might interfere with the mocks. But you look at under 20, that only affects lads under first year under 20. There's lads under second year under 20 won't be doing any mocks. So if you're doing mocks and you're taking your leaving cert really seriously, just don't play under 20 that year, if that's what your, if yeah. that's what your issue is. So when do you put it on? So if you avoid the leaving cert, you have to wait till the 25th of June to start it. Now it's in July and August, when a lot of clubs will be out of the senior championship, want to start their club championships. Do you know, like, yeah. it's not, listen, when all these stakeholders sit in this room and try and iron out a championship season, it's impossible to please everyone. Yeah. The, the only thing we can hope for is that the people in the room have come to a consensus that this is the best possible thing based on what everybody and what everyone's needs are. Yeah. And if you're going to play for different teams and different age groups and different codes, and that, that is the risk. It's not perfect. You can't fit it all in. You, you, you're going to lose somewhere. And it's not that different to what it was in 2019. So in No. Tw- it started in January 18th this year. And it finished in February 20th. You had a bit longer to go, but it only started a week later than it will start this January. Yeah. So nobody was crying about like exams and all then. You know? the, pro- the problem is, like, I mean, it is pretty much the same as last year. And the new restructure will do away with the pre-season competitions in January and give January exclusively to mm. third level. Or January well, and, and the first two weeks of February. And that not that perfect? Start your league in mid-February then and not cross over that, yeah. right? And as your league starts, start your under 20. There is no solution to the mocks. Yeah. Who cares about the mocks? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, come on, like if you're talking about, you're really looking for a whinge if you're talking about the mocks. Yeah. yeah. I suppose, like the good thing about it as well, I suppose, that like when the Sigerson takes place in January in the task force review committee meeting, not long after that, it'll be in the spotlight and the importance of not marginalising the Sigerson and Fitzgibbon yeah. Cups. That'll that's be very important. much on the agenda. And that's the most important thing. And I think Tomas Suchet was, that's what he was mainly getting at because he was talking about um, fearing that it would go the way, way of the Railway Cup, that the, gradually over time the Railway Cup became less and less important to the extent that it barely mattered at all and that like that can't happen like you, you've spoken on this show often enough uh, Willie about the importance of Sixers and Cup and what it does for your development of, as a player and just like the camaraderie in, t- in terms of developing friendships with people from other counties and stuff like that so I think that's the most important message as long as the Sigerson Cup isn't mar- like at, at the moment it's a nightmare there's no solution yeah. you know under the current structure but it, as you said that, that task force committee good luck to them but I think that it will be a priority to make that whether it's all of January but that Sigerson doesn't get marginalised the, 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 the great thing about Sigerson and it's like it gets no media attention like it's played midweek when supporters are working it gets it at the moment for me. It's marginalised. It's it's not taken as a serious competition by the media, by supporters. Supporters can't go to it. The only people who go to it are some students that might have some spare time during. If it's a home game in your college, and they line up and watch it, and it's often freezing cold, so they won't go. So it, at the moment, it's being marginalised. What can be done to improve it is give it a unique part of the calendar where there's no other GEA on, and put it on at weekends so that in January. GA correspondents have nothing to do. Other oh, Sigerson games here, those intercounty mm. Now it's on. Now it's getting more of a media coverage. Another funny thing about the media coverage: you ever hear a Sigerson player saying, "We never get media coverage"? No, they love Sigerson <laughs> because it's a great competition. It's not all about that, anyways. Yeah, yeah. But it would be nice to see it getting a bigger profile and a unique part of the calendar. You know, their own six weeks. That's not too much to ask. Yeah. 
it's agreed. Ha- it's hard. No, definitely agreed, but it's still hard to fit it all in. No, it is. I think the yeah. will if you do away with the preseason competitions, because let's be honest, we saw with Brian Howard, we saw with mm. with other uh, players. If you're trying to break on a senior squad, you're definitely good enough for your Sigerson, your or Fitzgibbon. You're going to go. You're going to you know, choose the county and not try and make the manager think you're not committed over those two. And if you do away with the early season competitions, you don't have that concern. Something has to give. So the the, the easiest things to give is the pre-season competition. So hopefully they'll see sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So really bad news for Clare, lads. Not much more to say about this. I was just reading this this morning. The Clare champion are reporting that Gary Brennan is out for 2020. So that's a nightmare uh, for Clare, who obviously still in Division 2. Um, and, you know, we know how important he is for them in midfield, but can do a job at centre forward. And with the advanced mark, could absolutely do a, a job at full forward for them next year. So I don't know what he's doing. He's a teacher. don't know what his thinking behind that is. Um, but I just saw that this morning. Some... Um, uh, news in Offaly we mentioned this already but there's a little bit more I was just reading I think it was in the Offaly Express so the closing nominations of the or county board nominations um, puts Michael Dignan up against uh, Tommy Byrne he's the chairman Michael Dignan is going up against him so there's a convention on the d- December the 10th to vote that in so Tommy Byrne told the I think it was maybe the Tullamore Tribune um, I was reading it. So Tommy Byrne told uh, told them that he'd been asked to stand down. So Michael Dignan and a few other fellas went to Tommy Byrne. Um, he said they asked him to stand down. They say he, they didn't ask him to stand down. They told him that, OK, maybe it's another way of saying that change was needed, that hurling was on the slide badly, um, you know, and things haven't been improved. And they think that a, a fresh voice or you know fresh uh, ideas would be important so Tommy Burns said it was a short meeting <laughs> it was a short <laughs> meeting he says they asked me to stand down and I told them I wouldn't I said if I stood aside when approached by a group like that I would be a disgrace to myself and the position I hold so that that's kind of where we're at with that um, be interesting to see can Dignan beat him because a lot of this is politics lads and like if this was a poll done amongst Offaly supporters I'm sure Dignan would win this as mm. a landslide but it's not it's county board delegates from all the clubs who who know about club politics and who might have been done a favour by Tommy Byrne or who might you know for me you'd say Dignan has this as shoe in but he could easily be beaten by Tommy Byrne because it, it because of the people who will be voting for it yeah it's a very tasty convention that we're set up for it like, is because there's a good few other positions being challenged three as well going for three the three vice more. chairperson yeah. is this or something like that they had a few other positions but it's great that kind of thing should happen in every county because like I mean it is kind of a closed shop mm, yeah. and like I mean I had a friend who went for who went for county board chairman in Leash the last time and he was beaten, Kieran Levy. He was involved in county board, but he had to canvas uh, different clubs, yeah. especially the hurling side, because this was the the uh, the chairman of county board and he's from a football club, so it might not he might not have connections. And he's he's canvassing them. And he had told me before the vote went through, if everybody that told me to give me the vote gives me the vote, I'll win it. He didn't win it. You know what I mean? This is what you're you're dealing with because they're just telling you one thing and there's no way of, you know, this is GEA politics. When when the cliche is said in GEA, it's all politics. This is kind of what you're talking about. It's like exit polls and stuff, you know, for politics as well. Yeah, yeah. You think Hillary Clinton's going to win and then Donald Trump comes in. Hopefully he's a red state, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I see it's it's Burns' second stint as well. Oh no, he's been in there a good second stint. He went as secretary then. He didn't get out of the mix. He went back to secretary and then back to chairman again. So that's happening in Waterford as well. These fellas are too long in, in jobs and you can only have a certain amount of years in the job so they, they stay within the county board in another job and then come back in again. Sure you long know what I mean? Murphy in Cork? Are you talking like 40 years or something like oh, that yeah. within the executive yeah. or something like that? He was very long. You wonder what, like I mean, obviously it's a passion in their lives but I do think that there was an element of control and power on it as well. Look, I run awfully yeah, I'm yeah, not saying yeah. Tommy Byrne I'm just saying in general yeah. about county board chairman well I run loose GA you know it's a you know it's, a, it's just a, a kind of you know power thing that you're you maybe proud of or whatever I don't know it seems to be three years out good luck back somebody else yeah, you yeah, know give yeah. it a go um, Porrick Joyce was talking last week 
Um, and I was just reading it there this week and it's basically he's done a woolly Parkinson prediction on Galway so my prediction didn't work for it I hope he's more successful <laughs> well I got, mine got to an all earned semi-final and you have to remember my prediction was made Galway were a Division 2 team so it's, it wasn't a terrible outrageous was, prediction no, it didn't, it didn't no. come off it didn't come off but I knew that they had potential and Obviously, they didn't win an All-Ireland in the three years like I predicted. But Porrick Joyce has gone one step further. He's saying he wants to win an All-Ireland within one year. <laughs> Two steps further, yeah. Two years further, So yeah. he says, he was asked, uh, could have been Joe Malloy asked him this. He says, uh, he was asked what would be a successful year. Maybe, I'm just guessing that. Because winning an All-Ireland, he replied, anything less would be a failure. Simple as that. Nothing less. I won't feel it's a su- successful tenure if I don't have Sam Maguire in Galway. Hopefully in 10 months. Next August we'll have it. <laughs> I've already Joycey. I like that one. Um, yeah, them kind of fighting words. And I'm sure, I'm sure Porrick, something Kevin Walsh did not do coming from the type of football he played with Galway to bring a little bit of that into the Galway team, get the most out of those lethal forwards they have, but also having that balance of getting back to protect your your defence. A little bit, let's be honest, like Kerry have, a little bit like Dublin have. They're able to play scintillating football by having enough forwards up front. But if you're slightly slow with your build-up and you play two or three lateral hand passes, that's your fault. We'll be back there. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's pretty much what every team is striving for. And if you're lazy with your with your attack and you're not you you don't have conviction to it and you don't have any speed to it, Kerry and Dublin will be back. But if you have speed to your attack and you move it faster to foot, you're getting one on ones with both their full back lines. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so that yeah. kind of how to break it down pretty simply. <laughs> yeah, that that, that defined, a little bit like yeah, that too. Yeah, that defined attitude must have been uh, what he said in the interview that I accidentally stumbled upon in the, the <laughs> hotel. We, we, you missed it while you were gone. Well, he was a bit of accidental investigative journalism spotted himself and John Dively in a meeting with must have been county board executive in the Very hotel good. next door. But I think uh, yeah, I think uh, there's going to be a real feel good kind of factor around Galway football next year because yeah. it's not to dismiss what Kevin Welsh has done, but like it's you know you can't dismiss the fact that there's been kind of grumblings about the style of play and while Kevin Welsh himself was an icon he's probably not on the level of icon that Porrick Joyce is in and especially what Galway fans have seen what Porrick Joyce has done with the underage Galway teams that he's been in and he's been fairly blatant about the style of football that he wants to play as well so when you combine that with the with the quality of players that that especially the quality of forwards that, that can you imagine if you're Shane Welsh Damien Comer is going to be hopefully fully fit as long as he's not playing any uh, charity games on Stephen's Bay this year so with all that to look forward to and somebody like Park Joyce in charge I nearly fear as a Mayo man for, for the feel good factor on Galway football I don't think they're going to win in All-Ireland in 10 months I, I doubt the quality of their midfield and half-back line but uh, but it, I, I think it, it could be a very strong year for them Yeah no I definitely could and Park Joyce really is an icon isn't he like I mean this fella was phenomenal player I don't think he like you hear people talking about obviously players like Kier McDonald being icons and he was incredibly flashy and eye-catching Porrick Joyce was just an exceptional player. Like he scored was a nine from play in the All Ireland final in two thousand and one. Yep. Destroyed Mead on his own in maybe one of the greatest performances, left and right. Destroyed Faye, then destroyed Riley, or destroyed Riley, then Faye. Like I played against him in an under twenty one All Ireland semi final in ninety eight. He was playing midfield, and he was just like, "Whoa, this lad just." You know, I would have been under 21 the following year again, but I was just thinking, Jesus, this lad is good. Like, he's just, <laughs> and a, like a, a, a no-nonsense fell on the field as well. Like, not into any messing, but you just know this was a serious individual, you know? And yeah. some of the performances, and then went out centre-forward, pulled the socks up and turned into a spray the ball around. Yeah. Maybe because he wasn't as flashy as other players. I don't know. I know he's an icon in Galway, but he should be more of an icon nationally for what he's done in the game. Yeah, maybe it's just he's he's more of an icon around Connacht because we were closer to him. But I would have regarded him as, as up on that. Let's say from that era, the Canavans, the Morris Fitz, I would have had him up. Oh, with he, that, he up has with to that. be. You know, absolutely. I'm just even thinking back to the battles he used to have with David Heaney. It's hard to call them battles because two of them are real gentlemen as well as being yeah. class footballers. But David Heaney would have had a good day in Park Joyce if he kept him to like three or four from play and like would have had a really good game. That's how good Park Joyce yeah. was. Like you know, you're talking nine from play. It was nine points in that All-Ireland final it was as, as good as an All-Ireland final as you'll, as, as you'll find but because he probably didn't have the high profile as some of the other ones it's not as celebrated but yeah. like around Mayo Galway Galway especially obviously he's I can't think of a bigger especially from that generation upwards I can't think of a bigger say icon in, in Galway yeah. Well Donlan was more eye-catching Joyce got yeah, one one in 98 yeah. as well yeah. in the final yeah. in 98 as well Donlan was just and it's, uh, look you could talk about yeah. these <laughs> I love I love Galway Jaff back Fallon, then well, uh, Jaff yeah. Fallon all these uh, <clears throat> 
Uh, me and like I mean I like the Derek Savage in the corner as oh, well I have Jesus, to say yeah. Niall Finnegan uh, Finnegan yeah get out of jail against Darian Tyson so 1 but we'll not get into that <laughs> Muldoon got a great goal that yeah, day didn't he did, yeah. that was a textbook man, a big man on the edge of the yeah. square goal wasn't he it he also hit the crossbar though and, uh, fuck this is hurting you brother ok Conor McKenna's Essendon coach John Worsford isn't happy with Conor McKenna so Conor McKenna in fairness now Conor should know better he's 23 He's been out there since 2014 and he's on the he's been on the team for the last two years. He does dummy solos. Have you ever seen Conor McKenna's dummy solos? Oh, yeah. You should yeah, look yeah, at these. Fantastic. This is incredible stuff. Right, so he's established. His team Ailish um beat Eden Dork by two nine to one ten um in a relegation playoff. So uh, th- the coach John Worsford said we certainly didn't send him back there to play football and I'm just thinking John it was a relegation playoff <laughs> you don't know what you're talking <laughs> <laughs> no but seriously John it was relegation <laughs> against Eden Dorr come on mate like come on do do your research buddy um, but that was it so I just thought that was funny he was saying then it was like it's almost like he has no understanding of Gaelic football at all so he starts saying out of everything you can do as a footballer in the off season this is John Worsford now who's not happy obviously with Conor McKenna he says out of everything you can do as a footballer in the off season going and playing non-contact football would be best this is Gaelic football he's talking about he said it's better than going skiing or playing basketball or playing rugby <laughs> something you don't do day in day out he went and did something that's probably the safest form of exercise he could possibly do and but he did it in a competitive environment. This is Tyrone football. This is a relegation playoff. This is a dangerous play. Yeah. <laughs> I insult them. Like this, this is what the Aussies think of us. We think we're tough. Yeah. And they're just does like, he think it's handball or what does he think the picture is? of Sean Kavanagh after the game against Eden Dork there last year. Yeah. And see what he says. So basketball is more physical than Gaelic football. Now we know some people can play in Gaelic football is getting like that. But Jesus, that how the Aussies look at us? I thought it was... Uh, obviously Mark O'Connor did the same thing last year with Dingle. Like I've often said, Zach did it for a few years when he was with Carlton but Geelong have you know said no I think most of the clubs are saying no to it um, now but again it was a relegation it was a relegation <laughs> yeah like I remember um, went to the Derry final a couple of weeks ago and Connor Glass was on the bench and he was out like you know kicking around beforehand and got so excited thinking jeez might see Connor Glass playing and then as like Glenn were behind the whole game and I was like what the get him on what are you doing like, and then after a while they realised he's probably just not allowed to play yeah, and they were that, just being sound and bringing him or on. maybe they're just trying to scare the opposition into thinking he is playing and you know that kind of panic you know when you're kicking around everyone does it you're looking, you're looking yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you might be told come on let's concentrate on yourself and you're, you, you might kick a point and you're running back out and you're seeing who's number five I'm playing at 12 <laughs> <laughs> who's down there yeah, yeah. and you're clocking every single one of their, yeah. their players and you watch your teammates and they're all clocking yeah. down <laughs> like it's hard not to it's very hard not to look down what are they doing down there yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. are they up for it yeah. you know they could be doing a drill where they're really hitting off each other and you're like Jesus <laughs> one then, two three yeah, 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 yeah. and then you get everyone to huddle lads they're up for it and we're not yeah, yeah. it's very flat here lads oh, yeah yeah <laughs> We're flat. Oh, yeah. We're either flat or there's too much talking going on. <laughs> All the same old talk goes on in every yeah, team yeah. in the country, doesn't it? But anyways, talking about the same old, same old talk. This Ryan Jones was uh, interviewed during the week and this is what he said about the semi-final against Kilku. We'll get into previewing these games after we talk to Brick Malloy. Uh, so Ryan Jones said... Uh, we have no injuries to report, which is great ahead of a, a huge game against Kilku, which is going to be high intensity. Ultimately, semi-finals are there to be won, and that's exactly what we'll give it. So then I was thinking, semi-finals are there to be won. I said, that rings a bell with me. What, does, what do they mean by that? What does that mean, semi-finals are there to be won? So I googled it, and it's a favourite of Jim Gavin's. Loads of people say it. It's like a cliché in the GA that I don't understand. I just don't understand it. So Jim Gavin said after beating Galway in 2018, semi-finals are there to be won. We're just happy to get through it. Jim Gavin after beating Mayo in 2019, they showed great adaptability. Semi-finals are there to be won and we're grateful to get the result. So John Myler, the Cork hurling manager, have said it. Semi-finals are there to be won. Keith Higgins after beating Roscommon in 2016 and this is after hammering them, you know. Invariably, All-Ireland semi-finals are there to be won. So Keith goes on to explain it a little bit further in the same interview. He says, at this stage, we don't care whether we win the greatest game ever played or we win the worst game ever played. You just have to win them. It's as simple as that. The result is all that matters. I'm wondering what what game, what round of games does that not apply to? <laughs> what game is not there to be won? I would imagine 
imagine a final is there to be won more. I would imagine if it's in the context of not performing that well, which I thought semi-finals are, we didn't play that well, but you know, semi-finals are just there to be won. But Jim Gavin said it after hammering Mayo. Keith Higgins is saying it after hammering Roscommon, you know, with a great performance. So in my head, you kind of say it after an unconvincing performance it and it's just matter. a cliche, yeah. look, I will look, we're not to, they're there to be won and we're in the final now. It doesn't seem to be the, the way they mean it. Can you shed light on this? Well, maybe, maybe you're worried less about it. Let's, if you put in a bad performance earlier on the year and it's a sign of how your year is going to go, well, then you can't, you can't say, oh, that game was there to be won because there's a pattern here developing. We're obviously on course for a bad season because of the level of our performances. But I think it's just as simple as it's a cliche that the more often it's used, it just gets into the lexicon. It's like, and it's you like, say it without yeah, even the, thinking the about most, it. Like Marcus Rashford, United beat Chelsea in the League Cup there last week, uh, two weeks ago. And uh, the most important thing was the three points. You don't get three points for winning in the Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're just Absolutely. But I hate this one. Why did this become sure, a thing? Surely the final is the biggest game that's no, there to be won, but nobody yeah, will say that afterwards. Well, like, that's you know true. I mean? But I was thinking semi-finals are there to be won. If the first round, this would apply much better. To say you just get over the first round, you're not great. Well, look, first round matches you know yourself they're there to be won we're not sure what our form are like and now we're in the second round hopefully we can build on that yeah. you could understand it a bit more first round quarter final well we just won a provincial championship you know and there's a bit of celebration so quarter finals are there to be won <laughs> now we're in the big time <laughs> what game can you not say it is about but yeah provincial semi-final though as well they could get you into the Ulster final yeah. and then like, the, the provincial final like that's there to be won because you have to win a trophy yeah and then quarter final semi-final games are there to be won <laughs> <laughs> Okay, there's no, we're not going to analyse that today, right? Games are there to be won, right? We'll come back and we'll talk to Brick Malai. Come here, I want you to talk us through the goal you scored in the county final after 15 seconds. I want you to tell me when you had goal on your mind. Yeah, you probably had a few 15 seconds experiences yourself. Okay, so Nave Connell play Con Tibbert, um on Saturday night after having a full two weeks to prepare for this one. Um, and Nave Connell's stalwart, Brick Malloy, co- joins us on the line now. Is it okay to call you a stalwart, Brick? Uh, well, I think so, really, at this stage, the way you're talking about me, so uh, <laughs> I'll take it on the chin, you know. <laughs> you, this is the thing about you, Brick. I, I thought you were older because you've been, around, you've been around a long time. Like, I mean, both with Nave Connell and you made your breakthrough with Donegal at a young age. And um, you're only 28, 28. I still, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, the years are still clocking up. I um, suppose I come in with Nick Connell as a, you know, 16, 17 year old and, um, in, you know, 2008 and I suppose then the breakthrough year then with Donegal, you know, under John Doherty, you know, I was just turned 19. So yeah. I was very young coming in. So, but um, I don't know, it's, it's been a, it's been a roller coaster. um you know, a couple of years, you know, for myself, and that's just, you know, I've, you know, enjoyed it all, really, and um, I suppose, you know, you look back, and there's been some, you know, great highs, and, you know, there's been some lows as well, but, yeah, it's, you know, uh, the body doesn't feel like a 28-year-old, uh, to be honest. Well, how would it? You've had four games in 14 days, so how the hell, like, <laughs> I'm sure you feel like a 70-year-old man after all of that. I know, in fairness, I to Martin, and, 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 you know, all the background team, uh, you know, this year, um, I think it's the best shape that probably and you know Nick Connell team has been in years. You know, um, we've we've got a lot of gym sessions behind us as well. You know, we really focused on that. Maybe went to the you know wayside. You know, we about the last couple of years. You know, we didn't really buy into it as much. So right. this year, in fairness, you know, every man hasn't you know missed any sessions. And I think actually before the county final night before it, um, our strength and uh, conditioning coach there, Damien Matters. You know, I think he said there was over four hundred gym sessions done. You know, so. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's you know a lot of sessions you know that there's probably you know collectively so uh, you know it's a lot of stuff and um, I suppose looking at it you know the last two weeks you know the bodies have stood uh, stood up well but then you know credit to them boys yeah so you you won the game I'll talk to you about that trilogy county final in a minute but you won the game the last one it was Jesus it was it was dramatic it was John O'Malley point that was disputed but it was obviously a point um, yeah you know when you see it this is on a Wednesday night for a county final which must have been kind of a bizarre thing and then you're out on the Sunday against Castle Rahan so it's not Guidor so we saw no videos of your celebration so we didn't know what you were doing on the Wednesday and on the Thursday so you maybe you'll fill me in on what you were doing. Oh uh, hey, hey, you're not on. Uh, you're must be on Instagram, are you? Uh, those <laughs> videos up on that. Oh, was there? Um, 
Exactly. So, so that's the thing. So on the on the Wednesday and Thursday, you, you obviously celebrated out. Then had the training session on Friday. But you must have been in bits on the Friday and Saturday. Like, I mean, did you hire extra masseurs to try and get lads rubbed <laughs> out? Or like, I mean, how would you get? Because you're talking about the three county finals, and then you know a night of celebration, and then another day of celebration. On the Friday, you must have been in an awful state. Yeah. Well, that's it. I suppose it was maybe. I suppose it was maybe Friday morning at about six or seven that probably we actually did get to bed, you know. <laughs> so there wasn't much time to actually get body recovered. It was more than woke up. And then I think myself and uh, Tony Thompson went to the Highlands for, you know, a bite just to get ourselves, uh, you know, get, 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 get ourselves going. Like, But you know, in fairness, every man came down to the session, you know, we sweated out. We'd done a couple of, um, you know, short bus and runs and stuff just to kind of get the heads cleared more than anything. I think the legs were, in fairness, just, you know, we came down uh, Tuesday night after the Gidomer first game and we put on a savage session at that and we kind of knew it was on our legs, you know. Um, we do feel we've, you know, good fitness, you know, built up this year and in fairness to lads, you know, every man, you know, the Friday and Saturday, you know, we didn't miss any, you know, recoveries or, as you say, there was rubbish to be done, you know, every man got it done and thankfully, you know, probably put some good enough head in for the game then on Sunday. Right, okay. So you'd lost the last two, the previous two county finals. So there was a, a almost like, I'm sure within year group that d- there was no way you were losing another one. There was a kind of a defiance about you. Oh, there was. Look at it. Um, it's been a roller coaster since Martin took the job in 15, like, and for him to come in the first year, and obviously we won it in 2015, and uh, things were looking good. And then all of a sudden, you know, you've lost two finals back to back, and I suppose the biggest thing for us, I think, this year was to get back to county final. We felt if we could get back to, you know, county final day again, you know, that we would get, you know, we would get over the line this time. And you know, no one could ever thought that you know go to trilogy would be hard to get over the line. Like, and I suppose you know it was in our heads, you know, even plenty the three three days and us pulling out of you know the clubhouse and you go up through the town. Next thing you're on the, the Chapel Bray stretch and. You know, you had the whole of Glenties out here and you're leaving the place. And that there was a massive lift for us, even, you know, leaving Glenties. And, you know, it's, uh, it's a big thing when you see that. It's, you probably only see that at County Grounds, that maybe even coming, you know, on you know, an All Ireland final or yeah. the final, you know, open up the Hall of Clones, you know, crowded. You never see that at, you know, club level. No. Thankfully, you know, and was that, that know, was, there's a, all our clubs that was, that was on, out there. Sorry, that was on the Wednesday night you got that, the whole town came out to, to kind of. Aye, the Wednesday and uh, the two previous weeks. So it just shows, you know, I suppose the hard thing that the town was feeling too the last two years, you know, and it was just a great luck to finally get over the line. And it was, it was great joy, you know, I don't think we landed into Glenty's on the Wednesday night to maybe half one, I think, uh, quarter to two in the morning and the place was packed like, and it's just great, you know, the people in New Connell love their football and for us to pull on in New Connell tells you, you know, it's a very, very proud thing for us and, you know, we we'll, you know we want to represent the people of New Connell and the parish of Glenty's and Fintown and that there means a lot to us, you know. Yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, it's great to, great to hear. What, what's the story with your role as a substitute now? I'm sure you're not happy about that, Brick. So you're coming on, <laughs> you're, you're, now you're getting, you're getting, a, like, is this an element of finish, you know, having some stronger lads on the line to finish it out? Or I think you started a few games earlier this year and then you uh, missed out on the semi final. What's the thinking behind that? Yeah, no, in fairness now, um, I suppose I've, I've 
I started all year really to be fair and uh, probably wasn't finishing out the games which maybe Martin and them probably didn't they'd rather me on the field after you know the end of the game so in fairness you know it's you know no one likes to be in that position but in fairness you know it's, it's a role that I'm, I'm you know was used to you know with Donegal and I suppose they probably seen from them days you know that I was able to make impacts and such so Ah, look, it's, you know, no one likes being on the bench, like, but if there's a job there to be done coming in, you know, we have to do it. And that's kind of the way, in fairness, we, you know, you look at our bench coming on, there's there's quality in there. You like myself and Marty Boyle come on, and, you know, the two of us were in, you know, the All Ireland panel in 2012. Dara Gallagher was on the 2011 Ulster um, panel as well. So, you know, we have a lot of quality coming off the bench, and we definitely have a very strong team finishing out the games, which is, uh, you know, a big bonus. Yeah, no, it definitely is. You definitely have a little rivalry with Neil McGeef going back plenty of years. So when you come on, <laughs> there's, there's plenty of talking going on between the two of you. Aye, in fairness, me and me, 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 Neil, to be fair, I always uh, get on very well at county level. And in fairness to Neil, it's probably hard to use to believe. In fairness, he never uh, usually says much to me. Like, uh, we have a very good relationship there. You know, uh, you know, you chat each other, you know, you know, out and about, and in fairness, you know, he's never been too bad. I, I remember actually going down to Mary Gallon uh, as a 16 year old, and um, that was my first day playing against the door down there. And um, oh, next thing I look up, and uh, Neil McGee's going in to pick me up here. And I remember the first ball I came in, and um, I actually caught Neil with an elbow in the eye, and he turned around and he said, Meet my life, if you ever do that again, I'll tell you either. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was a real uh, warm welcome, warm uh, welcome from you know. But in fairness, to him, I got I got close to men in the county setup. You know, you know, we built up a good relationship, and uh, he's a top, top, top fella. You know, Neil. And no, in fairness, uh, I think as the game was getting closer towards the replays, you know, we were kind of saying to each other, Jesus, hardly going to go another replay and as such. So, oh, there's a bit of crack there too, you know. Ah, right, okay. Because I saw you both talking to each other, and I thought maybe it was a little bit of kind of like gentle wind ups, but it was actually talking to each other. <laughs> I know, John, just generally talking to each other, in fairness, but it's actually the end, uh, the one to be fair, like, but uh, no, there was no bad elmousing for me, you know, in fairness to me, he's a quality, he's a, you know, he's a quality player, you know, on the pitch and, you know, he plays very hard in fairness of the ball there to be won and, you know, he, you know, there's a chance of taking you to do that, but uh, there's no uh, sledge or anything like that from him. So. Yeah, no, I know, I know what you mean. Come here, the reason I asked you about being a, a substitute, obviously because you're such a big player for Nave Connell, and, you know, to have to psychologically, you know, get do a role making an impact mightn't be that easy, and especially because you finished up with Donegal at a very early age, maybe 24, 25, because you didn't like that role as a substitute. Yeah, well, I suppose, you know, I've reduced with uh, Donegal, I suppose, um, I was I was lucky enough, you know, I played a lot of games, you know, I think it over a half a century at that stage, both up at Donegal, I think I left when I was twenty three, like so um I was a little used to the role of coming on with with Jim. I suppose I played a lot of the league, you know, with Donegal in years and it was I suppose come from at the time then, you know, I was kinda of brought in at that uh, substitute role and look at I look I was very young back then and when you had a full forward line of Michael Murphy, Colin McFadden and obviously Patrick was coming through at that stage. You know, as a young fella, I was just glad to be in there, you know, and, you know, just trying to, to learn things off these players. And it was a great time, like, and I suppose now with the role with Nick Connell, you know, we just have to take it on the chin. And, you know, every man goes into the, the sessions, you know, down trying to prove a point to Martin. And I think that there's a healthy thing to have on the squad, too. Yeah, and it's mad. Charles McGuinness is full forward now for, for Nave Connell, who was a water boy back in when you won the All-Ireland. Uh, he's Jim's nephew, obviously. I thought that was an interesting one. Aye, in fairness to Charlie, he's he's uh, he's a quality player. He is actually a very, very quality hard. player. Yeah, he does. He's great skill, like and yeah. he was down there before training, taking sideline balls there, like Morris Clifton. It's uh, it's it's unreal to watch him, like. But in fairness to Charlie, like he probably um, this last two years playing reserve, and he he put a serious one for him there, bulking up and trimming down, and you can see himself. You know, he's in great shape. Right, yeah, because he has a nice style about him. He's able to kick one booming point from the forty-five. Um, in the, I think it was the first game, you know. So he's definitely got a, he's got a bit about him. Ah, uh, he is. He has quality in fairness. I mean, he's capable of that. And Charles is still very young too, and he's learning. Like, and um, I think the big thing with Charles, you know, he went in, you know, Neil McGee the first couple of days, and you know, in fairness to Charlie, you know, he got stuck in there. You know, he wasn't going to shy down. You know, because it was Neil, and that there is another good quality to have, but. You know, as a footballer for us, you know, his free-taking ability too is, is top-notch. And, 
Uh, you're talking about gym sessions there earlier. That man hasn't missed one. You know, he's, he's flat out down at the gym. He's getting fat and fairness to me, though, he's quality this year for us. Yeah. Della, talk to, talking about Jim McGuinness, talk to about the impact he's made um, on the club. Um, brick, like I mean, I was reading his book and he talked about putting the under putting some underage structures in place um, and things like that. And from 2006 to 2012, you were in seven under 21 finals in a row. You won five of them. I'm not sure is that Jim McGuinness's legacy or you know where did that improvement come about? Because 2005 was your first ever senior title. Yeah, I suppose 05. Um, I suppose. The start of it all was probably 2002. Dad was manager at that stage, and Glenty's ended up winning their first ever senior league title. So that was Glenty's first ever senior title, you know, at any level. And um, Martin Regan then came in, and obviously, as minor manager, 03, 04, and, you know, that crop of players then started to come. And, you know, you'd like to bring McGill, Marty Boyle, Andy Thompson, Owen Wade and Leo that would have been on their minor teams then ultimately came in in 05 and um, the Uncle Huey and Dad were, were managing 05 and Jim, uh, Jim obviously done the knee then in 2005 it was so um, quarter final time came around and Jim then was brought in by Huey and, and, and the Dowell man, you know, so he just kind of got put the structures in place, you know, for that kind of defensive style Right. And in fairness, it, it, it worked so well that, that year, in fairness. It was all uh, new to the Glampies. Like, I suppose then, then, you know, when he took us in then, uh, 2009, I think, he was manager that year with Cahill Corey. And um, in fairness to them, they probably opened up a wee bit that time. We ended up winning the championship in 10 with Cahill. And Glampies were actually anything but defensive, you know? Right. And um, we made it all the way to the Club final that year, and um, I suppose 2011 then came around and that's when Jim got the Donegal job and you could see a big change in you know club level with Donegal that things were starting to change we were playing open for 15 on 15 and that thing you land in uh, you know a championship game with Gunswally and there's nothing behind the ball like and that was probably the first time that you know we, we, we felt that there was a change happening with Donegal and it was probably due to Donegal's um you know, 2011 campaign and club football started to, to, to evolve different, you know, in Donegal. So I suppose it will be more of an open game against Clontibret, of John McEntee's their manager and he is, uh, he's definitely not into a defensive style. So they, it, could be a mo- it could be a more entertaining game. Well, that's a day. Please God, anyway, I think, in fairness, if uh, Clontibret are going to go, you know, defensive or not, then it's, it's up to us, you know, to deal with that. But you can see that John McEntee's bringing in that kind of... Um, Kind of cross McGlenn style with him, and um, it, you know it's going to make for you know very interesting game. So it's uh, it's going to be a serious battle, you know, on Saturday night. Yeah, exactly. I don't know whether it is, maybe you've too much time on your hands with two weeks leading into this brick. I don't know. We'll know on we'll know <coughs> on we'll know on Saturday night. Anyways, come here, brick. Best of luck against Clan Tibbert, and thanks for taking the call. Cheers, Willie. Good man yourself. All the Derek, great to finally get to interview you. Yeah? Really, yeah. <laughs> do you, do you, why is it great? Why do you not do many interviews? I don't know, really. I wasn't being asked to do a whole pile. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? I know we spoke about the defensive side of things. If you're coming in and you want to be, if you want to be the Woolly Parkinson and and just play for myself and Wait, an, I mean, an inter-county corner forward isn't just hatching inside either. He's, no, you know, no, he's, no. Unfortunately for you, Woolly, it won't last forever. You can ask ex-players that, you can ask your, you know that yourself, Woolly. Yeah, um, mine never started at yeah, all. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's, that's neither here nor there. Okay, so Paddy Power Predictions. Lads, we're into provincial club semi-final stage um, they're there to be won they're all there to be won <laughs> just to get into that final uh, so we have first off we have Clintibret against from Monaghan against Nave Connell um, we've covered this mostly um, with Brick Malloy there so Clintibret are 13 to 10 outsiders Nave Connell 5 to 6 it's interesting uh, Conor McManus said after county final we had a difficult year last year we had to win our last two games to stay senior and at that stage things didn't look great we were struggling to see where we were going to compete again 
And then I started checking it out and said, oh, that's grand. Well, John McEntee must have come in then and, and, you know, changed the whole thing around. John McEntee was their manager last year. So it's funny, isn't it, that Mm. they struggled last year under John McEntee and this year... John McEntee puts it down to, I heard an interview he did before the county final said, they put a huge focus on the league to try and build confidence and then, you know, they build confidence and then the results started, you know, coming or whatever. And now they've beaten Scottstown who were not only Monaghan favourites, would have been Ulster favourites as well and beaten Cross McGlenn. So it's a crazy improvement with the same manager from last year struggling. Yeah, and when you said build confidence during the league, in Monaghan don't they do it that it's split between the, it's half without their county yeah. players and half with them so I imagine that um, but the half without them is weighted lower than the half with them yeah yeah so that, like having the likes of uh, Vinnie Corey and Conor McManus they were able to build that momentum that they obviously yeah. that they obviously took in the championship but that, that's, that's, that's a, a good, huge transformation that's a good point I think Monaghan going out early of, Monaghan obviously were beaten in Ulster and then beaten in the first round of the qualifiers by Armagh or the second round very early so you've got Conor McManus all summer now for yeah. all the league le- le- games and you have Vinnie, see Conor McManus and Vinnie Corey especially because they play both of them on the full forward line so you're trying to get your game plan together without those two yeah. do you know having them there the whole time you know Desi Moan to a lesser extent because he's mm. in the defence but especially two of your three inside forwards having them when would uh, Monaghan have been? It would have been out in June, right? Yeah. So he would have had them, you know, all summer. So to get a bit of momentum and stuff going as well. Yeah, but even having Desi Moon there, like, you know, at the heart of the defence and, you know, the other boys learning off him, him setting everything up. You know yourself, yeah. when you have a proper number but six. Yeah, you see, Scottstown would have had more county lads, yeah. you know, back <laughs> yeah, in the summer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, right, but they have more of a spread of them. The point I'm trying to make, that's why I didn't include Desi Moon, is because it's two men on the fo- three man full forward line, and it's Conor McManus. Yeah. Do you yeah. know, and Vinnie Corey, who would have a very specific role in there as well. So that's why I was kind of focusing on the two of them, um, just because Scottstown would have kind of blown the. the when you include Desi yeah, yeah. I mean, like that, that, that feeds through the whole team, because if you have Conor McManus and Vinnie Corey, you're going to kick the ball into them, otherwise you're stupid but if you don't have them there all year you're probably not you're not going to be two players like that well that's the thing all summer the players out the field have been looking up and kicking the ball yeah yeah. so you have your proper game plan Uh, who do we fancy here lads it's a very difficult one actually Um, I might go for Nave Connell I think that they might just squeeze the life out of Clontibret um I know Scottstown aren't that extremely defensive and Cross McGlenn definitely aren't either. So whether Clontibret can beat them. The last time they met actually was in 2010, I think. Nave Connell beat them fairly well, 2-12 to 9 points. Um, so what do you think of this one? Yeah, squeezing the life is a good description, I think. Neve Connell as well. And I think Kieran Thompson and Charles McGuinness just to kick them over the line. Yeah. Okay. I think um, I went for uh, Guido against Neve Connell, then Castle Rahan against Neve Connell. I did so too. I'm, not, I'm not backing against them I again, so I'm going Neve Connell. Yeah, I'm kind of on that line of thinking <laughs> as well. Um, right, the next one is in Ulster semi finals, which are there to be won, is Derry Gonnelly <laughs> at 11 to 4 against Kilku at 4 to 11. Um, Kilku won six in a row obviously then lost last year to Burren and how have reclaimed it so from their six in a row they made two Ulster finals they lost in 2012 to Cross McGlenn um, 3-9 to 1-9 so they were well competitive in that one and then lost to Slocknail I think it was 2016 12 points to 9 so they've been right up there in the mix they obviously have the Derry uh, uh, connection with uh, Mickey Moran and their assistant manager is Conlick Gilligan I didn't, under- didn't realise that um, that he was involved in it I also didn't realise that Kilku was only a small little village you always think when a team's dominating that yeah. they might have been a bit bigger than that but Conor Laverty was, d- did an interview and he was talking about should you be a schoolboy or girl old man or woman Friday night is football night everyone goes to the matches the club is the heartbeat of our village and it means everything to us so there is a bit of a cross McGlenn about them you know this small village we're uh, obsessed with, uh, with Gaelic football they have five brothers on the team five Brannigans you have Niall Brannigan cornerback, Aidan Brannigan fullback, you have Aaron Brannigan centre-back, you have Daryl Brannigan midfield and you have Eugene Brannigan as a number 10. So basically, if the, Bran- if the Brannigan car doesn't <laughs> land, <Yeah. to> Ma- <laughs> if Mammy Brannigan doesn't bring the five boys in the car, we don't have a game, lads. <laughs> but that was interesting. So a little village club, five brothers, you know, you obviously have the two Johnsons as well, um, who play who play for Down Ryan and Jerome, and now I'm starting to look at Kilku in a whole new kind of slock nail night light, and I'm kind <laughs> yeah. of root, I'm rooting for them. Maybe that's why Mickey Moore went there. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. same club, similar yeah, to yeah, what yeah, he was yeah. used to. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I'm going Kilku here, lads. I, I, when you factor in that village uh, togetherness, Mickey Moran, um, manager. 
Um, and then obviously the firepower of the Johnsons and Conor Laverty as well. I think they'll have too much uh, for Derry Gonnelly. Mm. Like when when I saw all the big guns being knocked out uh, around Ulster and even in their own county championships, I thought this is Kilcoos to lose. Oh, nice but, one there. <laughs> <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> Kilcoos to lose. But um, but the other day obviously struggled through. They, they won by a point in the semi final. Did they go to replay in the quarters? Won by a point in the final. Now I know. Club championships are there to be won, so it doesn't really, <laughs> it doesn't really matter how you write off any semi final performance. <laughs> yeah. But um, now they're here back in the provincial semi final, but I think there's very long odds for Derry Gonley as well. It is, you? it is, especially after beating Trillick. Yeah, and like you, you're the one who made the point first. Like they're a seasoned Ulster team. Like they're, they're Kaku are two now. Yeah, no, that's it. There's two seasoned teams coming up against each other, but I can't believe the sort of disparity in the odds. and yeah, like I, I sort of fancy Derry Gunley as an outside bet. They've beaten Carrigan, who I thought they wouldn't. They beat Trillick, who I thought they wouldn't. Um, they've got their stuff together. They've got Jones, Ryan Jones, and McGullion in midfield, who are just class footballers, like big men, brilliant footballers. Three Jones brothers. I saw they have Ronan McHugh coming off the bench for them, who who won a Hogan Cup back in March. You know, so they've got a bit of firepower coming off as well. I just I can't believe they're eleven to four. So I would fancy them just as an outside bet. Maybe this will be a draw, though. Okay, Connor. Yeah, just amazed after all that romantic language from Connor Laverty that you're not going for for Kilku. <laughs> very surprising. <laughs> you know, very we surprising. We basically compare Kilku to slot nail, and you're <laughs> yeah, still, still not better for them. Um, I was I'm just shocked. Uh, reading some stuff from uh, Adrian Cush, who I think is the manager of uh, Maharfelt, who who um, who Kilku beat last time out, and he seemed to. He had like he obviously had, he would have uh, had plenty of praise for him after they just beat them, but he seemed to see said, said the same thing with Crossman again gone with Trillick gone. He was kind of tipping it to be Kilku's year. So um, you know they've won a lot and down, uh, made a couple of Ulster finals. I think it could be their year, so I'm going to go with Kilku. Yeah, okay, great stuff. The next one is in hurling, lads. It's St Mullins of Carlow, who obviously accounted for Kula in the last round against Rathdowney Earl from Leash. Rathdowney Earl are favourites for this four to six. St Mullins are outside. Outsiders six to four. Thought that was interesting because in 2017, Camros played Mount Leinster Rangers and they lost Camros, probably the big team in Leash, along with Rathdowney Earl, and they lost 19 points to 13. You know, St Mullins beat Mount Leinster Rangers. I know you can't read across that kind of thing, but yeah. I, just, I thought this would be even money because it's in uh, Dr. Cullen Park. Um, if you'd say Rathdowney Earl are slightly better on paper, the away advantage would take that yeah, off. St Mullins would be, be cooler though. Like, they'd be cooler <laughs> at home, you know, yeah. and Rathdowney Earl are no cooler. So I thought that was interesting. Um, Rathdown the Earl selector Enda Marr, who used to play for Leash, um, he says, we don't know much about them. This is always the way when you get into Leinster. We don't know much about them. And he says, but by the same token, everyone was looking forward to playing this game. St Mullins will be the same. They'll, think, they'll be thinking the same thing after beating Kula. Um, and I remember mentioning this at this time last year. It's like you're, you, you win your county you're playing a team from another county so you go ringing the team to beat in the county final to get the video of the county final and you're meeting brick walls in this so like I mean I've tried to do it several times just from different people that you'd know any chance of getting the video of the county final this is the team that they beat now but then county this is why I would say the county rolls in behind the county champions they don't want to give up mm. they don't want to give up the video <laughs> yeah. even the team that beat them who's a big rival they don't and, and if you, you do get it I've got it a couple of times do not say where you got this video. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Because it, it, yeah. there's a little bit of treason, like treason given given the video. It's it's another county here. That's why yeah. I always think that these provincial clubs bring that county, the county together, and the rivalry simmers down a little bit. And now you're representing your county, and we're not giving them a video yeah. of the even though they beat us or whatever. And I th- I think that's fantastic. Is is there an element as well that we look better if they go on further, so we don't want to help Maybe. the others? Yeah, yeah, something, something like I would have thought it would depend on the rivalry between you know the clubs you were asking for. If you if you had a big rivalry with a club in your own county, you'd be more than happy to give it to somebody <laughs> yeah. else if they're playing them. Yeah. But uh, if if you're playing the, the county finalists in Mayo, just go on to Mayo GA TV. All the games are archived. So oh, they're all there. So yeah. So I imagine them. that's the same. And all, all the games that are shown on Mayo GA TV are archived. And I imagine that that's I think a lot of other counties. Armav, something What's similar. the subscription for Mayo TV? I'm not, I'm not sure what the subscription is, but you just pay a fiver, uh, a fiver on a any day that there's so if there's two matches on, you get the two matches for a fiver. And when you go in for the two matches for the fiver, you can access the, the archive access then? The, I don't know then, do you have to pay to access the archive? Maybe Say if you wanted fiver. to get a match of fiver, but that's all it is. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's, it's really good value, to okay. be fair. That's, that's too easy. You should have to work. To you should have to work. You should have to make yeah. at least three phone calls, <laughs> be told no, and then go go at it again. But it was interesting from Endemar. So Endemar played with... Um, Rat Downey first and then he was their captain in 2005 when they joined up with Earl 
Um, so, you know, he was the first ever captain of Rat Downey Earl to win a county title. So he said he's been in a senior dressing room since he was 17 and he's 41 now. And last year he was still togging out. And he was getting on and getting off and wasn't really getting a, f- a full game. And this year he went, I'm not talking out anymore. I want to be a selector because he, w- he wanted to say that he wanted to have a little bit more. Um, I don't know. What, what way does he? Let's uh, see. I'll see what he says. I haven't been out of a senior restroom since I was 17 and 41 now. I said to the lads, the difference between playing and being a selector is that I feel I can be a lot more help on the line and training wise using experience rather than staying togging out and being a bit part player. That was the big thing for me. Last year, I found it hard to take after losing the final. Um, maybe there was something I could have offered. So I thought that was interesting because some players, as they get older, might stay involved in a club and <coughs> in the team, not get a game, but still be that big voice in the dressing room. And I think those fellas can block the younger fellas being the leaders. Do you know that kind of way? So he's now being the leader as a selector rather than, you know, being togging out and not really knowing what his role was. So it sounds like Endemar, in fairness, took a back seat and let the young lads kind of lead it. So then he had no role. Do you know what I mean? Whereas mm. now he's a selector and now he can actually, you know, maybe take more of an authoritative role um, with them because he feels that he's able to be. I definitely think as you get older on a squad, you need to start moving away from making speeches or else how can the young lads take on that? You know what I mean? If yeah. they're waiting for you to be that one all the time, you know, especially when you're not on the team anymore. I think you need to make that decision as well as opposed to be told. Do you know? Yeah. Like, like, like sometimes they, like an older player will still feel that they, you know, they'll do the same thing they did a few years ago, whereas the young fellas might feel that they need a fresh voice but would have too much respect or, you know, the, the, the older fellow would command too much respect. So, like, it's good that at least nobody had to go and nudge him and say, here, listen, stop making those speeches. Yeah, but it sounds like he didn't. He sounds like he didn't really have any role. Do you know that kind yeah. of a way? But maybe, you know, it, it, it's hard to know. I just thought it was interesting that he, for him to be able to help the young fellas, he wanted to be a selector rather than one of the older mm. players. So I'm not really sure. Maybe he was just focusing on trying to get on the team. And That's it. And yeah. probably had his own hang-ups and stuff then when he wasn't getting on to Yeah, it. yeah. Maybe. As a player, like, yeah, you, you have all the gripes as well. You know, now he's moved away from that completely. Yeah, yeah. I would be of that line as well. You would, if Jesus, sure, when you're a player, you just want to get on. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe that, maybe that's it. Ballyhill Shamrocks play St. Martins. Jeez, the odds here, lads, crazy. Now, we know Ballyhill Shamrocks <coughs> are brilliant and they're defending champions. They're one to eight. Um, St. Martins are 11-2 to two, but this is the Wexford champions do you know and you know um, Rory O'Connor is back for St. Martins he was missing for the for the county final so I thought this was a little bit skewed I know when Aulart de Bala won it maybe 2015 or 16 Napiershig needed extra time to beat them now maybe Aulart aren't as good as they used to be now and they're on the slide and St. Martins aren't as good as them I just thought 1-8 to eight. Um, it is in Nolan Park I suppose there's not much more we can say about <laughs> Belly Hill Shamrocks they are brilliant I just was a little bit surprised at the 1-8 to eight against the Wexford champions yeah, but, but I'll go for Belly Hill here when uh, Stock Neal won Ulster there I was just on my Twitter feed people were talking about Stock Neal against Belly Hill and all the like all stars at Belly Hill have and stuff and I in my head and I assumed that they were playing Valley Hill Shamrocks in the semi-final forgetting that they still had to go through Leinster right you know so people up north have already written off everybody else in the Leinster Championship that's how like favoured Valley Hill yeah. are so. and fair Valley Hill would be slack nailed by 20, 20 plus points <laughs> let's just save that <laughs> when that happens it's so anyway. hard to determine the eye weren't uh, were Nemo one to forty last week against Newcastle West or something like that. They only ended up winning by That's three true, points. That's true. Yeah, you by know, three so points. Yeah, I still go Ballyhale, but yeah, the, yeah. the odds seem a bit longer. I think we'll all go with Ballyhale. Yeah. Saint Mullen, Rat Downey. We didn't get a prediction on that. I'll go for Rat Downey. Earlder representing Leash, and in a fifty-fifty game, it would be crazy to not go with my own. Yeah, is, is there anything in the? Oh, they've already had their final. You know that whole chess, oh, the, the whole Warren Gatlin one. Yeah, like you know they've they've played their, their big be, game yeah, already. Coming back down off that, yeah, the element of surprise is gone. Yeah, but I still might go with them. Uh, yeah, St Mullins and, and Cullen Park at home after being cool on going for St Mullins. Yeah. Okay, big one in Munster Club. This is the second last game we're looking at, lads. Um, this is on Sunday. Nemo Rangers Cork versus Austin Stacks. Nemo Rangers four to eleven favourites. Austin Stacks eleven to four. Um, it's six and a half months since Austin Stacks won the Kerry Club uh, Championship. They were in the other championship and East Kerry actually knocked them out of it at the end of September. So that's how long they've been out of the championship. We're now at the 14th, so we're about six weeks. East Kerry beat them by six points. It was something like 314 to 3-8. It was a really kind of mad, madly scored uh, game. So 
their manager Wayne Quinlan was on Kerry Radio and he says it was just around the final whistle that we said right we're there this is in the county final it's bizarre watching another match <laughs> to say we're in the Munster Club now um, we didn't do ourselves justice in the championship and we were very disappointed with our own performances we just felt this could be a huge opportunity for ourselves and I suppose it could you know you could be Munster champions and to be honest the rules are the rules they are Kerry cha- club champions yeah. with the eight with the eight and I think to beat Do- to beat Dr. Crokes in the final back in April Dr. Crokes obviously were a good time to get them after losing the All-Ireland club um, the month before so Austin Stacks had a man at the match against Nemo Rangers Newcastle West so they were just covering their bases you know thinking maybe East Kerry beat Dr. Crokes we'll have to have had a look at uh, at Nemo he says obviously until the final whistle uh, today we couldn't show what we we couldn't show it to the lads we'll be fine tuning ourselves this week and focusing on ourselves as much as we can hard to know how Austin Stacks can beat Nemo Rangers lads uh, now I'm going for Nemo Rangers even though they weren't convincing um, the last day when you look through the Austin Stacks team, it's a weird one. You know Ronan Shanahan and you know Kieran Donaghy, and then you're like, Jesus, it's not a huge represent. They've no representation on the Kerry mm. team at all for a club like Austin Stacks, um, which is a strange one. The team doesn't jump out at you as. Then again, East Kerry's team doesn't jump out at you when you look through it. You know massively either, but there's an awful lot of players that have come through the five in a row minors. You know yeah. young lads that maybe brilliant under twenty one Sigerson players that you might not be as aware of. I'll still go for Nemo Rangers to win this one, lads. Yeah, that that six point defeat to East Kerry isn't looking too bad now after seeing what East Kerry did to exactly, Dr. Crokes. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I just wonder what they did. So like they were knocked out of the county championship at the end of September, knowing it that you know they're going to be they, they give it like three weeks off and then maybe go back to training again or something like that. And you'd, I don't know about the motivations of all of the squad. That's you'd it. imagine that some for of them years over. Cause I, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you look at Glen Rovers who went down to Boris Elite last time. They'd lost the county final and. Were, they're, at least they would be f- definitely fit. Psychologically, mm. they wouldn't be great. Austin Stacks might not be f- 100% fit and psychologically, their year was yeah. over and now it's back on and Nemo aren't in that headspace. Yeah, yeah, I'm going for Nemo as well. Like, not, uh, they weren't great, obviously, last week when considering they were such strong favourites against Newcastle West, but fancy them by a couple of points anyway. Mm. Five years since Stacks won Munster. Yeah. Probably a bit too, like, they still have a bit of pedigree. They obviously. beat Denier in the final. They got, who? maybe they beat a big team in the semi-final. Maybe it was Nemo or, or I'm not too sure. I need to think back on that, but they definitely beat Denier. Um, and they ended up losing the All-Ireland semi-final shit I should have said in Port Leach to Stock Nail that yeah. was it yeah. yeah Don Austin Sachs bring the big the, all their fans yeah. walk through the they town they walk through the town yeah, stuff, yeah yeah I do like that about them <laughs> no it's great but, Billy um, Sheehan former Leash player like the Pied Piper he was out leading that <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and Billy's had about 10 clubs <laughs> <laughs> yeah like can you even get friendlies at this time of year like everybody else has stopped playing it's, surely it's hard for them to to keep it going at the same level they need to get up to the playing Nemo Rangers so yeah I have to go on Nemo yeah I'll go on Nemo too last one then lads Milltown Malbay from Clare uh, play Clonmel commercials it's interesting the Leinster Club semi-finals are a neutral venue Munster Club semi-finals uh, look to me to be home venues this is in Milltown Malbay this game um Milton Malbay are 2-1 to one outsiders Clonmel Commercial is obviously so convincing in their provincial um, match 1-2 to two favourites look I'm going to go for Clonmel Commercials here like I said they're a properly good team um, took a couple of years off there and they're back and I think they'll be in the final yeah me too yeah me too yeah okay that's, that's it lads um, right that's all we've time for we'll be back on Monday and we'll review the weekend's action we'll talk to you then good luck the GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour hurling ACA. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the brakes when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I, I'm heartbroken. I'm hard <laughs> 